Welcome to Coffee and Change. I'm Bill Kirst. As a business professional, a U.S. veteran, a lifelong learner, and an active listener, I help others navigate, understand, and adapt to our ever-changing workplace and world. As a third culture kid, I call many places home. Presently, Seattle is where I explore my creativity through the power of words and images. In this podcast, we journey with our guests, gaining knowledge and inspiration from their stories. Today's story features Leandra Pagan, a human capital strategist and candidate for Master of Science in Learning and Organizational Change at Northwestern University. Leandra, like many students around the world, faced a new level of professional change in the summer of 2020. She never anticipated her internship experience in consulting to be fully remote, but as the pandemic raged on, that became a new reality. Leandra joined the podcast to share her story, insights, and passion for leading change while completing two internships in a fully remote world. Together, we discuss her valuable insights and lessons learned on what it is like to fully onboard with a new company and only ever get to meet your teammates through a screen. As leaders, we should all listen closely as there's a lot we can learn from the next generation of leaders like Leandra. Well, thanks for having me, Bill. My name is Leandra Pagan. I'm a current graduate student at Northwestern University in their Master's of Science in Learning and Organizational Change. Always a mouthful of a degree to say, but I just like to say I'm studying organizational development, really learning how to improve organizations through people's strategy. Um, And I've been fortunate enough through my graduate experience to complete uh, some virtual internships and had a great experience at West Monroe this fall. I just wrapped up last week. So happy to just share my thoughts and experience on, you know, interning in a virtual environment. Absolutely. I think that's kind of the, the topic of the day, so to speak. There's so many people that have probably started a job this year, you know, done an internship. And it's not what they imagined it would be when they maybe accepted the offer last year, pre-pandemic. So I would love for you to kind of start off with that journey for yourself. Um, Mm. What was it like? And I guess, what was it like kind of leading up to the realization that I'm going to do an entire internship or two with, (laughs) without ever meeting the people I work with? Um anxiety producing, if I'm uh, very candid, as I'm sure for everyone, everything that has transpired has been um, stressful and ambiguous. Um, But really, you do, you know, human tendency is to just overcome and, and you adjust. And fortunately for me, in the internships that I did, people were very intentional about ensuring that I felt connected and part of the community. And usually an organization, when they are onboarding you or through an internship experience, they know that's a big component, that community feeling. Um, And if it's the right place, they'll ensure and do whatever it takes to make you feel like you're included in that space. And I felt lucky enough to have that at West Monroe, Um, but really just being understanding that it will be different. Everyone else is also going through this and and, um, 
adjusting to it and the support will be there from the organization, um, especially if, and if it's not enough, if you voice it, I'm sure they'll rise to the occasion. Did you have friends or family that went through similar experiences, obviously through your program or, you know, Mm -hmm. people that you knew? And if so, did you like, did you all call each other and say, how is this? Like, am I going crazy? Is, do you miss people? Like, I was just curious, like what that support network was, was like above and beyond, you know, the onboarding at a firm. Uh, definitely, uh, venting to my, uh, classmates throughout this process has been a necessary thing. Um, and like I said, it's helpful to know that other people are going through this at the same time with you and it is okay. And honestly necessary for you to share those anxieties with other people, those fears, those challenges you might learn from your peers or family members and what they've kind of done and adjusted to and how they've managed it. Um, and so, yes, definitely my classmates who were doing different internships, who were also doing internships with me. And then also, um, I always find it's helpful to talk to people who may be a little further removed, but you know, all of my other friends who aren't in grad school were dealing with transferring to a virtual work environment. Um, or some of my friends who are in other grad school programs also struggled and, um, had recommendations on how their, um, school help them or other options that they had to support them through. So you definitely should lean on others. And always, I always say, have a good venting buddy. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, When you think back to the, let's say, let's take you back to the first week of your internship. Mm -hmm. Um, What was the first week like? Some of the things that you were really anxious about, you know, you talked about kind of carrying that anxiety. And then by the end of the time, looking back on it, did you say to yourself, oh, I got all worked up about that and it turned out to be fine? That's like 90% of my life, um, <laughs> getting worked up about things and then them ending up okay. I would say, you know, one thing is when you're going into an internship, you're interviewing the company and they're interviewing you in a sense. And you really, really just want to make a good impression. And I think we're so accustomed or feel more comfortable doing that in a in an in-person environment with body language or just the energy of people. And you lose that. And so I was just anxious about um, making sure that my personality and who I was could be captured across a virtual screen. Um, so that was definitely something I was anxious about. Also wondering if I was going to feel included, like, you know, not being able to just jump into another meeting or tap someone at at their desk and ask a question or um, just kind of be connected in that that informal, casual way that happens in an in-person environment, especially as an intern where you really have no, I mean, besides maybe a few people you've interacted with through an interview process or just vetting process of the company, you don't have that strong network already where you would feel comfortable maybe reaching out to people one-on-one. So definitely that as well. And, you know, not, and I, I should have mentioned this before, but also just the fact that there was a lot of ambiguity if the internships would happen, you know, what would the format would be if they did happen. So really just going in grateful that I still had the opportunity knowing everything that was going on. Um, and, and knowing that the firm obviously was invested in me and, and, and wanted to keep the internship, but then really worrying about, you know, are people going to get to see who I am and see the value that I can bring over a virtual environment? Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really important point that you make around remembering the number of people who had offers or maybe had mm-hmm. offers and 
they were rescinded because of the economy or because of budgets. So, you know, where we're sitting now, it's about a week, you know, just under a week before Thanksgiving. And people are starting to think about what next year looks like already in terms mm-hmm. of budgets, in terms of planning, in terms of job seeking. So I guess a question I would ask is, what advice might you give to some of those that are either in your program or in undergrad programs who are kind of in that place of, I don't even know what next year is going to look like. Um, do they go about the job search the same way? Would you, knowing what you know now, would you go about it a little bit differently um, in the current world we're in? That is a really great question. It's not something I've thought about because, um, again, I've been fortunate to to have kind of done all the interviewing and vetting um, beforehand. But one thing I've learned from um, my internships and I think can be applied to recruiting in this environment or just going through this process is that people still want to connect like that aspect of humanity hasn't changed. It just might take a little bit more intention and effort of you saying, hey, can we get on a video call? Or I'm really looking forward to learning about X, Y thing. Can you make the time? And and it's, you know, it can be scary to ask that of, of, of folks, but most people will say yes. Um, even if they're Zoomed out, I know there's a Zoom fatigue, like you could always do phone calls, but People want to connect and they want to help and they still want to hire people and they still need to grow their organizations in the way they were before. So I would just be probably more mindful going into it that one, you may need to be more intentional about networking beforehand and setting up these video calls um, and being okay for to ask for that. But also don't be afraid to ask companies how they plan on handling this, how they plan to handle hiring um, or downturn in the economy or things of that nature. So yeah, I would go about it differently and be more intentional about networking virtually and really taking the time to hone the virtual skills. Like if you haven't done a video interview um, or any type of virtual environment, practice, get with your classmates, get with people who are working from home, which I'm sure you can find someone in the world who is right now, and just do a mock interview on camera, do a few, um, get used to kind of this exchange. Um, and lastly, and, and, and this is me being fully transparent, realize that sometimes working from home and recruiting from home and all these things, I know for me can be hard from a motivational standpoint because you're kind of stuck in this inertia in your home environment and there's a million things going on. You're not kind of out in an office getting dressed um, or in a classroom or on campus. So finding ways to kind of make it feel as real as you could if you were interviewing or recruiting. Um, and, And that may be different for everyone, but I think practicing in that aspect of finding times or days or things that may make you feel really motivated um, to take on, you know, the recruiting head on. Yeah, all really good points. And it makes me wonder a little bit around movement. And what I mean by that is it's really tough for a lot of people, including me, right? We realize we're standing at our kitchen table or a dining room table, or if we're lucky enough to have an office at the office in our home. But then we don't see a lot of like change of location at all. So I was ch- I was talking with someone recently about this and they said that the power of kind of moving between spaces, you know, to a client site or to an office or to a restaurant, it helped us sort of 
compartmentalize our, our work days and almost shift in your mind, oh, this is now networking time or this is now, you know, deliverable shaping time or we're going to whiteboard or we're going to do something like that. I'm, I'm curious from your standpoint of the remote internship, where you were at, did you, did you build in time for you to kind of do movement? And that could be exercise, that could be going for a walk, that could be just, you know, going to the store in the middle of the day. How did you balance that? Because it's one thing that, that I personally struggle with. I look down and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's been 10 hours and I haven't really moved uh, or changed my, my, my view or location at all. No, that's a great question. And it's so, so important. And it is difficult to manage to your point, because you are really static in, in the same space. Um, I would say, I'll be honest, I've had days where I do look down and it is, it's been 10 hours and I haven't moved. Um, but then I start to feel it. And I feel it the next day when I'm not as um, motivated or, or on point when it comes to work. And so especially in, during my my first internship, I had to learn that. For, um, I felt like by the time I got to my second one, I realized, okay, this is what works for me. Um, but one, I think, is figuring out what does work for you. Is it that you need a break in the middle of the day? Um, is it that you work better in the morning or at night? like figuring out what that is. And, you know, for me, it's, it might be getting really dressed up. I really like that. I feel like if I get dressed up for the occasion, I feel like I can be my full self um, and may need a break during the day. Um, and then, so once you figure out that balance for yourself and what that break is, whether it's just moving to your kitchen instead of your office, um, which, you know, that changes space, or even when it's safe, meeting up with a friend to work in a shared space, um, or at a coffee shop outside and things like that. Um, or if it's going to the gym or going for a walk, even taking calls, walking, things like that, whatever it is that, that works for you. And then I think it's second to just communicate it and own it and set the boundary when appropriate, when, when you feel like you can in the sense of letting your team know, Hey, every day from one to three, I need to go run family things and take a break, but I'll be back online from three to six. And I definitely had to do that because I was on a different time zone than the rest of my colleagues and making sure that I communicated um, when I would be offline for how long and just letting people know because everyone is dealing with that. They're balancing their own things and trying to find ways to move and, and feel energized. So yeah, I would say, you know, find what works for you and then make sure you just communicate it accordingly. Yeah, I think it's really, I've heard from a lot of people, sort of this this healthy tension that existed of, hey, do I say to someone that I've got to take care of a family thing at this time or pick up my kid or be with my kid, just spend time with my kid, right? Um, go for a walk. And I know that the first couple of times that people might have stated that, it was a little nerve wracking, right? Because we, you know, people might think, oh, well, you're at home all the time. Why do you need to, but the, the more people did it, the more other people appreciated it, I believe, um, to set the example and make that, that break and, and set that time and be sacred with it. Like it's a sacred time that, that people should protect. And I think that balance actually makes us better workers because then we can recharge and rejuvenate and be with the people that, we're doing all this work for, right? Like we're working so hard that, so that we can have a, a, a lifestyle and provide for those that we love and care about. Um, so I think it's a really, a really good point. Um, I'd love to shift gears a little bit and think of, and talk about your program. Um, you had introduced, you know, in, in your opening, the program that you're in at Northwestern. 
So kind of a two-part question. One is, how has the pandemic shaped or shifted the way that you study and, and your studies? And then the second part is, what do you think is going to happen in higher education or post-secondary education now that we're kind of in all of this uncertainty and the future is not clear? Yeah, two very great questions. I will say, um, as far as how it shifted my studying and things like that, I was very fortunate to have a program that was a little bit ahead of the curve here. I will, I will plug and shout out MSLC right now for that. So prior to COVID, our program had committed to going fully hybrid. We already, we had an in-person track where you could do all your class, you know, move to Chicago as I did move to Chicago or Evanston and complete all your coursework, or you could do a hybrid tra- hybrid track or do both. And they have made a decision in January, I want to say, to make that shift for the following incoming class. And so, you know, two months later in March, when the whole world had to go virtual, we were very much prepared. We already had virtual uh, curriculum and all the infrastructure, and it wasn't new. I had already taken a hybrid class. And by hybrid, I mean that most of your classes are, you know, all of your classes are virtual, but you once a quarter go to campus and have a three-day or two-and-a-half-day week intensive. Um, And there are a lot of executive MBA programs and a lot of higher education programs that are um, following that trend. We're following that trend prior to covid and understanding that we need a more flexible higher education environment, especially as people are um, maybe going to school later, maybe more established, already working, things like that. So, so in in terms of it shifting, it just became to be honest, understanding what I needed to stay on track because it's very easy to get distracted. There's a collective trauma that the world is going through right now. Not to mention personal things that we deal with every day, and everyone's family dynamic um, is different. Health, health dynamic, mental health, so many different facets of, facets of that. So, trying to understand what did I need to be motivated. And for example, there was a course I was taking where I realized, you know, I'm very deadline driven. If someone doesn't give me a date for when something is due, I might struggle. So, I set up weekly uh, meetings with my advisor to ensure I was moving forward. I like to, you know, study with, um, study in coffee shops where I'm surrounded by people, not necessarily interacting with people, but just like the buzz around me. And so I would set up virtual study hours with my classmates where maybe we catch up for the first 20 minutes, but then we're literally all just on camera studying in our respective environments to just have, you know, feel not alone, feel accountable. Um, sometimes I would involve my, my boyfriend, my partner and have him kind of help me with what I was studying or talk, talk through it with him just to feel like I wasn't alone in a vacuum. Um, and then, you know, leaning into your school community there, I mean, my program was great and had so many different programs and conversations around what was going on, support systems. Um, so happy hours, you know, also social things. So don't be afraid to lean into that as well. So I would say those are the things that helped me, um, not to say that it wasn't difficult <laughs> uh, many times, but I felt like setting appointments with other people to help me um, stay accountable was really the lifesaver for me personally. Um, so I feel like I answered both questions in one, but not sure if I if I covered it. Yeah, up. I mean, I, I think the second part would be probably more of a just if you were to 
kind of envision the future for all of higher education and second and post-secondary education. And yeah, I think you kind of hit on this a little bit, like we're definitely going to see a hybrid model, but, um, as someone who's in kind of in the community now, I mean, you're in the, the, the learning, uh, community, do you see it drastically changing much more than that? Um, are there things you hope to see, um, or things that you'd, you'd, be completely happy to, to say goodbye to if, if we were to rewrite this whole script for what the education experience is like in the United States post-pandemic. Yeah, gosh, it's hard because I've been a little bit of both worlds. I started my program in person. I mean, like most people started in person, then switched, um, but knew that component of my program kind of already exists. I personally do favor in-person um, interaction. But at the same time, there's so much about virtual learning that is convenient. Um, it also builds a lot of discipline. And it's when it's done well, you can really retain the information and, and be engaged. I think what I would ultimately um, like to see is what my program is doing where they or we're doing where they give you an option where you can come to campus and, and do it in person um, in a post-COVID pandemic safe world. Um, but there is an, also an option for you to do it hybrid where most of it is virtual, um, but there is a little bit of an in-person support every couple of months or twice a year, whatever it may be, so that you do get that feel. Um, but, you know, that's only about six to seven months in and to, to this. If this is the way of the world for the next year, I mean, I don't know, hopefully not, we'll see. I might have a different answer. I might, I might have then kind of been so accustomed to this that it would be unnecessary to do in-person things. I'm not hundred percent sure, but, um, I think having the option for people to me, options are always good. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, it's going to be fascinating to see. There's also a level of accessibility, right? Yeah. The, the, the fact that certain people prior to hybrid models maybe would not have even entertained the idea of applying to Northwestern because they couldn't move to Chicago Maybe they're in Los Angeles, you know, and, and they want to take that's the program they want to take, but they're not in a position to, to uproot their life and move. So I do think it's going to be interesting to, to watch what happens with the, the greater accessibility for education options. Um, I'm curious if you've heard of this website because you had mentioned you love working in coffee shops and you love kind of being around people. There's a website called soundofcolleagues.com. Have you heard of that website? Oh my God, no, but the title sounds already epic. <laughs> so you need to look it up uh, for those uh, that have not heard of it. It's essentially a website that was introduced to me by a colleague. And what it is, is it's the sounds of our colleagues that we miss so much that is created in a website as a substitute. So for example, if you like the sound of being kind of in a room or an office, you can sort of dial up or dial down the room tone. If you like the sound of the coffee machine, you can dial it up. So imagine there are like plus and minus, you could slide the scale. There's the sound of people in the background, the sound of printers, the sound of rain on the window, the sound of keyboards, the sound of an office dog, telephone, open window, et cetera. And and as you described it, it reminded me very much of uh, a conversation I had with another colleague of ours where she and I would, very similar to what you described, we would just jump into a Zoom or a Teams uh, meeting and we would work through some stuff. But then there would be maybe 20 minutes where we um, didn't have stuff to talk about, but we appreciated staying in that meeting together 
putting on the sounds of colleagues in the background and just working through stuff because it was a level of accountability. It was a level of support. There are a number of people that I think have a hard time just, you know, working on their stuff solo. So it's just fascinating to watch these, these, you know, added sounds that people put out there on the web. And I think you can listen to it through Spotify as well and, and mix it in with your, you know, your kind of background. So I was just curious if you've heard of that. And I, I imagine it might be. I definitely will add that to my list of things when I'm studying and share that with my classmates. That is yeah. huge. No, yeah. that's super helpful. It definitely yeah, is a level of comfort to hear that noise. I mean, I play study music for that, but you know, just the idea of being in a space surrounded by people, hearing those familiar sounds, I, I can imagine it can do a lot for you also psychologically. That's a very good point. I, I, I had not really thought of that, the the psychological and the mental health part of this. You know, there's, a, there's an aspect of, as you described, even in an internship, to know that prior, you know, prior to us having to work remote, you're right. There would have been those moments that I probably would have, would have walked by and been like, hey, Leandra, come with me. I want you to come to this meeting and you can like, you know, pop in or listen or let's go grab something in the kitchen or let's go for a walk. And it's that it's sort of that connective tissue of the whole experience. And that's something that I truly miss because, you know, there's those conversations that that's in a serendipitous way start in the kitchen of an office or on the way into the office, on the escalator. What And those are the pieces that I think we really miss because that's when we got to know people in the marginalia of, of the jobs we do. Definitely. And I will also say um, the way I've kind of uh, helped do that is I do like to set up a lot of one-on-one meetings with people where we do discuss like nothing that has to do with work. (laughs) Um, And it seems awkward at first to do it um, because I really struggled with this. Um, but that's what you would do if you were in the office and even more so now there's a level, I think of vulnerability and, and intimacy in the way that you're in people's homes and, and you're a little bit more plugged into their personal life, um, which could be a great way to build a connection. And so I think like setting up those intentional 30 minute, 20 minute, even 15 minute, whatever it needs to be, uh, calls or meetings with people just to chat um, really helped me feel also connected during this time, whether it was my friends that were in school or not, or also just people from the internship. That really was the the um, saving grace for me as far as feeling connected. Is is still feeling like I had just casual, real friendships with people, not just work related or or school work related. Absolutely, yeah. I was talking to a, a client this morning, and we were talking about uh, user acceptance testing and how different it is to do user acceptance testing uh, in remote versus what we would normally have is like a classroom setting. And we'd have all the computers lined up and people would all be sitting next to each other and working on things. And you could tap somebody's shoulder and say, hey, are you seeing this? Or, you know, the instructor at the front could come and stand behind you and your computer and, and guide you. Uh, and, it, and the interesting thing that this person said was, yeah, you know, it's been a little a little bit more challenging to do the jump into a Zoom or be on a Teams you know, teams chat together, but it's also been fun because I've been able to bring my son into the camera and, you know, my son's like, dad, what are you working on? And he's like, well, I'm, and so it's kind of interesting to hear people talk about in an, in a newfound way, they're actually getting to show and tell their job to their kids and to their family. I mean, I, I've, I've shared with a number of people for many years, my mom could not really explain what I, (laughs) what I do. Um, and there was, there was one of these days where, I think she was 
listening as I was on a conference call and she, you could just see like the, the, she was trying to work out like, who is the other person he's talking to, you know, like, cause they only hear one side of the conversation. And I imagine it's very, this very similar here in my home with my husband, right? He hears one side of the conversation and he's probably just not, not intentionally listening, but sometimes you can't help but hear. And they're probably wondering, is, is that a client? Is that a teammate? Is everything okay? Is everything great? Like, it's got to be such an interesting dynamic to actually show and tell your work in a, in a very visible way. Like, this is what I do every day. This is what I get paid to do. And I imagine it's kind of fun to say to someone, hey, to your son or daughter, hey, jump up on my lap and let me show you. Like, this is the system that mom or dad is using. And what I'm trying to do is trying to break the system or find something that doesn't work in it so that we know that the system is in the best shape it can be to, to, to handle these things. Or, you know, where we work with a lot of banks to be able to say to someone, Hey, you know, when you go to the bank and you, and you take out a loan and what that means, well, this is how it happens on the back end, right. To, to sort of do show and tell. So I thought that was really interesting in that conversation this morning with a client that I hadn't, I hadn't even thought about like the ability to, you know, work out loud in a way. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. I mean, and, and even more so, it's funny, um, the way that my partner and I have our apartment split up, we kind of are on opposite ends and we kind of meet in the middle, in the middle of the workday, as you would with your coworkers. And, and sometimes we do just vent and talk about work. And I, you know, we don't have children, but I've definitely have learned and gained more, res- not that I didn't respect it before, but just a better understanding and respect for who this person is at work, what they deal with. Um, and it does really open up a lot. There's a lot of good things that do come out of it. It's not all just negative, even for your personal life. I have learned a lot more and I'm sure he has too, at least I hope about, um, what each of us do, what we're committed to. And it's always funny to hear your partner's work voice. It's different. (laughs) So true. Yeah. It's, I always see these memes online and it's so, it's so true. Um, but also to just work through when you have, you still have challenging work days at home and all of that. And, um, and I know you mentioned this before and we taught, we kind of switched a little bit, but I really, I wanted to talk a little bit more about mental health. It's something I'm, I'm passionate about and, and, um, have struggled with myself. And I feel like one of the things I had to learn throughout this time is to, be okay with saying, I am not okay to do this today, or I need an extension for my, my classwork, or I need time off during my internship to, to act like you, you, you have to be able to give yourself that time and, and advocate for yourself. And it might be uncomfortable, but most people will understand. I know some, you know, my program has been very gracious about that, about giving us more time to complete things, given everything that's going on. But just, you know, giving myself and giving in my classmates, we talked about that a lot, giving yourself that, um, that grace that to even show up and do what you're doing right now in the midst of what's going on in the world is strength and should be, um, just, yeah, just met with grace when the, when the, for the days that you're not a hundred percent. Yeah, that, that I'm really glad you brought that up. I mean, the, the topic of mental health for me is also very personal and I'm, I'm very passionate about the topic, you know, having had the opportunity to work with, um, veterans in particular, mm-hmm. um, and people who are, you know, trying to find that, that mental wellness balance. And you're right. This is a collective grief that people are going through and it's important to be gracious with yourself. And, and I'm curious your thoughts on, I haven't really necessarily formulated a a hypothesis or opinion on this, but it's something I've been wondering 
Do you think that in this remote world, right, the fact that we're on Zoom, the fact that we're on um, other ways in which we kind of teleport <laughs> essentially into somebody's house, um, does it make it easier, harder, the same to, I'm going to use the word breach, mm. the conversation about mental health? Hmm. That is an interesting question. I, I'm not sure if it, hmm. Cause I wonder like the, the reason, the, the reason the question popped into mind for me was if you can, if you can imagine sort of being, you know, that the nerves that you would have being in a room with someone when you're about to sort of reveal something, right? right? Like I need to take a break because I'm having a panic attack or, or I'm having things like doing that in a, in a, in a, in person with someone is certainly a powerful experience, but I think it's also a scary experience because there's just all of the energy and the fear that you're going to be judged. And, you know, will they, will they respond? Will they respect who knows? Right. And there's that, that, that risk that you feel like you're taking. I wonder if, and I, and I, I've seen this a little bit in this past year where certain people that I wouldn't necessarily have expected to start the conversation on mental wellness, they are. And I wonder if the two-dimensional you know, way in which we're interacting, the fact that maybe somebody feels safer in their home to, to bring up that conversation, because realistically, I guess what's the worst that can happen, right? Somebody says, hey, I'm not comfortable, and they leave the meeting, they leave the Zoom, right? End Zoom. Well, I would hope that even even if somebody does that, which I hope I hope they would never do, but let's say that's a possibility, you still have kind of the comfort of your home that you're right you're right there, yeah. as opposed to if somebody did that in person, and you had to I don't know drive on the the five <laughs> for three hours home and and relive that moment over and over again, or watch somebody walk out of a room or not support you in a way, it might be harder. So this is this is all just literally like fresh hypothesis. I, I'm just curious if, if you've thought about that at all, if anybody you've chatted with has, I think we're all trying to figure it out, but I wonder if it's easier. I don't know if it's easier. I, uh, I mean, maybe the point you bring up about, you know, being able to just kind of click off and still be in the comfort of your home or have your family or your kids to kind of go to and distract you is, is one thing. Um, I think, Two things. I think people might be more comfortable talking about mental health now because I would imagine, and I don't want to project this on everyone, I would imagine in some capacity most people are, whether they're, you know, seriously struggling with it or or just kind of fatigued from what's going on in, at their home, like everyone's kind of dealing with something right now. And I think it makes it a little easier to talk about it when we see it all over, all over. And, and the attitude toward us, toward it has changed. And with COVID it's become a a focus. Um, so it's naturally just easier, more comfortable to talk about. And I hope that people would be able to empathize more now that they're at home struggling with whatever they may be dealing with and can empathize that, Hey, this person might be as well on the other side of the screen. Um, but if, if I had to think down to it, um, I think it might be harder sometimes virtually because it all depends on how comfortable you are in a virtual environment. For for me, I'm more comfortable reading body language and, and um, 
you know, movement and energy and things like that in person. So it took me a while to feel comfortable on a, on a screen. Um, in the same way that someone mentioned this on a call, like I feel more comfortable eating in a meeting when I'm in like a big conference room at work versus now that I'm on video, I don't, I won't dare do that. It's, it's, it kind of like puts a spotlight on you in some way. It's very, it's uh, hard to describe. So if I had to choose, I would say it would be a little bit more difficult to do virtually versus in person. However, I think the narrative and understanding around mental health has, thank goodness, definitely improved. Um, and so the the space for that, I would hope, um, is a little bit bigger for people to feel comfortable having that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. It, it will be fascinating to see what sort of what comes of it, because you know, it's worth naming the fact that there's a, there's a huge aftershock of mental health challenge that comes beyond even this, this pandemic, you know, where we read the news about the, um, the vaccine development and we can't forget the fact that there's still quite the, the, the toll that's going to come from the, just the mental duress of, as the economy, um, tries to figure itself out, get back to where it, there's going to be people that don't get that job back. There's going to be people that don't return to those schools. There's going to be people that don't move back to a part of the country. Um, and all of that in, in, in its on its own is going to be quite a bit of um, anguish for people to, to work through. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. And, and at the same time, I think the ability, again, going back to access accessibility, you know, I'm reading a lot about telemedicine and these you know, these concepts that before the the telemedicine plus mental health was was kind of a an amorphous thing and people didn't necessarily see it as a a lasting option. And now I'm reading about a lot of people who are benefiting from it. You know, the ability to have the the sort of talk uh, through a device with a therapist or with a, a specialist or with a counselor. Um, it's not going to ever replace. But it, but it's helping people that otherwise wouldn't be able to get to it, um, which I think is is really hopeful um, going going forward. Yeah, and I think it's kind of always the blessing and curse of technology. There are a lot of great things that technology does, and like you said, making things more accessible and more flexible. But then certain you know certain things it just can't replace. Like yes, being in person, there are certain benefits to that. But I do think. Uh, net net right now. And it is creating an environment where you said people have more access to, to therapy or to support. Um, you're able to reach people in places you might have not been able to. Um, you're able to be home more with your kids and your family. Although, you know, sometimes that, that is not um, 100% being present with them because just because you're in the same household and you're home doesn't mean you have the capacity or the mind space to do certain things. And I think that's an important difference. Um, but I do think there is some benefit to, to what is going on right now. And you mentioned it earlier with higher education, in the sense of, you know, now you could go to MSLC from anywhere in the world, actually, you know, or anywhere in the U S, um, which is a little bit better for most, for a lot of people, especially those who work full time or have other obligations, or like you said, don't want to put their life on, on hold. So I think, um, we'll kind of have to wait and see, but, there are kind of pros and cons to what's going on. But the thing that kind of gives me comfort is that I just know or have a positive outlook on, on people and humanity. And I know that we will recover 
will adjust. Um, and we are built to be connected and we'll find a way. Like we will find a way. Yeah, whether it's, we always do. Exactly. And so that has been my kind of light that's gotten me through this is just this too shall pass. But I'm also learning a lot about virtual environments, technology, like you mentioned earlier, connecting and networking and, and um, producing quality work in a virtual environment, balancing home life and different things. There are good lessons out of this, even though it seems really scary sometimes and overwhelming. Um, but I try to always see it as something that I can learn from and, and be able to speak to in the future. Yeah. And one, one other thing I'll, I'll, I'll share that has been kind of a delight, and this is a shout out to my, my fellow introverts. Um, it's been great to see a number of people that otherwise would never want to be on a stage, right? Like if you said to someone, Hey, stand up in front of the room and present, they would possibly just say, Oh, that's not who I am. And, and it's, you know, it's either too nerve wracking or it's, it's not what I want to do. But what's really interesting is sort of in the Zoom squares world, right? Maybe your stage isn't as intimidating. Maybe somebody sharing a screen or presenting or walking through a demo allows them to do that without the overwhelm that comes with um, sort of the public speaking. And it's been interesting to watch a number of um, self-identified introverts shine in some ways in this in this new environment. Um, me included, right? And it's just, it comes as a shock to a lot of people that consultants such as ourselves may be introverts because we are always on and we're performing as extroverts in our roles. But I also like to remind people that, you know, introvert versus extrovert, it's, it's not always about how you perform. It's sometimes more about how you recharge. So I'm curious your thoughts on that from the, the learning standpoint as well. Uh, it, it has been interesting because on, on the other side, there is, you know, still anxiety when you're, when you're presenting in Zoom, Zoom calls and things like that. Um, but to your point, it can be less magnified, especially if you're able to just share your screen. You can turn your video off. My favorite thing is to hide my self-view. That makes me feel a lot better when I'm on these virtual calls or else I get distracted about um, trying to think about what I'm sounding and looking like and all of that anxiety. So I think that definitely helps. Um, and it is a skill set that is good to have. And, and that's kind of what I always try and bring it back to is, is whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, being able to present in a virtual environment is something that's going to be here. You know, this is where we are. I mean, COVID, I think, expedited how quickly we all like converted to it. Uh, you know, more than maybe 50% of the time we do it. Now it's 100% of the time. Um, but it is something that is, is a good skill to have. And so... Um, it does give you that practice. And to your point of getting up in front of a room and doing that um, is really terrifying than being able to just kind of do it from the comfort of your home um, on a screen and, and be a little bit more removed, I would imagine would definitely be more comforting, especially the more times you do it. I think the good thing is with anything, it's just practice and being, being exposed to it over and over. Absolutely. Well, one last question for you before we wrap up here. Um, you're getting ready to, <laughs> I guess, go back <laughs> to uh, to finish the program. Um, as you think about this year finishing out, 2020, going into 2021, how how do you stay healthy and change? How will you stay, stay healthy and change? I guess based on all the things that you've learned, 
this past you know summer and fall, and now that we're almost ten months into this, um, what are some of the things you'll do to to stay healthy and change as a leader going forward? No, that's that's great. I think, gosh, it's it really goes back to the, to trying to stay positive. I know that sounds so cliche, but trying to see the benefit of what you're being exposed to or the trials that you're being put into, um, whether it be not being able to uh, see your classmates in person, your family in person, whether it may be struggling to find a job in this environment or going through this new recruiting process virtually or um, classroom, classroom learning virtually all of it is there's something you can learn from it. And that is what kind of gets me through it. And that in five years, if I'm interviewing somewhere else, I can use this as a story of my resiliency, of how I adapted, of my skill set and digital learning and presenting and remote work. Um, and so that to me is kind of how I try and push myself forward to stay positive and thinking there's a benefit out of all of this, even though right now it may feel not very good. Um, but also we talk a lot of, a lot about it too, is prioritizing your mental health in that that is the only thing, well, not the only thing, but it's a very important thing that will get you through this. And if you're not making space for yourself to de-stress and that could be whatever, it could be a spa bath day, it could be going for a walk, it could be whatever it be. If you're not taking the time to do that, eventually other things will suffer. Um, so that really has been a priority for me going forward is making sure that I take take that time. Um, and then also just, you know, being, um, being a little bit more, uh, it's always easy to say, give yourself grace. It's always easy to tell people to do that, but also just like taking my own advice and being more honest with myself, like, am I pushing myself too far? Am I not giving myself the grace that I would give another person going through this time? Um, and that may be that sometimes you don't get to everything. It may be that, I don't know, and my professors are going to probably scream if they hear this, but it may be you turn in something late, or it may be you, instead of doing that, you take time to whatever it is you need to do. It's you can't be 100% on amidst all that's going on in the world. And so just knowing that, you know, not everything's going to be perfect, not everything's going to get done, and that's okay. Just do your best. Do, do as much as you can and ask for help when you, when you, when you need it. Um, i trying to think what else. I think, yeah, like I said, just being able to communicate, you know, at least for my fellow uh, students who are, are thinking like, how am I going to get a job after this? And I mean, I, I can't speak directly to that, but I, I do think that your ability to survive this environment is incredibly valuable and it is a skill set. And like, don't forget that, that you can use that to, to market yourself as a, as a prospective hire. Um, and so yeah, I know that was kind of a couple of different things, but no, I think those are all very, very powerful points. Um, I mean, the the one around grace is really important because I love how you said, you know, think about how you would afford someone else grace if they were, you know, going through something, and we need to turn that back on ourselves sometime. Um, and it's and honestly, it's a trait of a, of a really good leader to be able to do that to to be able to say, I need my restorative day. 
so that I can show up for those that I'm leading. So I think all of those points are extremely um, well said. And I think about the next generation of, of leaders coming out of programs like yours. And I'm really excited that topics around well-being and mental wellness um, are are on the agenda. Mm-hmm. And people are, are, are talking about how to include those in leadership development and leadership training um, in organizations ac- across the world. So thank you, Leandra, for your time. And congratulations on finishing the internship. Thank and you. Thank you for having heading, me. Yeah, you bet. Heading back into the program and into the world. Um, have a wonderful holiday. And I'm sure we'll catch up in the future. Yes, thank you so much. 